While we remain standing, I'd like you to join me in 1 John chapter 1. I'll be reading for our scripture lesson for the sermon today, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. But first, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are your children and we are wondrously needy. Our weaknesses are profound. And therefore, we ask that your grace be shown to be sufficient. Make your power evident, for it is perfect in our weakness, so that we may boast in you. Thank you, Lord, for your clear word. And now we thank you as well for your presence by your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you continue to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. Bore out our ears so that we may hear your voice, your word, and follow your ways. Through Jesus we pray, and all of God's children said. Amen. Amen. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are self-deceived, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Thus far the reading of God's word, and all of God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. This passage today is direct. John's message is direct. John's message is bursting forth. It cannot be contained. That which we have heard and seen, we proclaim to you. What's this message that he has heard and that he's proclaiming to the congregation? His message is about fellowship. And the fellowship is a restored relationship with God the Father and with his son, Jesus the Messiah. John is presenting this as a new beginning for the congregation. There's a new beginning and he takes themes and images from the beginning, from the creation, to present this. He starts the letter by saying, "...that which was from the beginning." Then he refers to created things, that which we have heard, things that make noise, that which we have seen and have touched, that which is visible and touchable, and fellowship. Fellowship was present at the beginning, and this fellowship is a relationship between God and his image bearers. The Lord God's presence was there. The Lord God spoke giving guidance. The Lord God gave gifts. Tasks were given. All of this at the beginning. Fellowship at the beginning. It was present, but this fellowship was also broken at the beginning. That fellowship at the beginning was broken by sin, by lies, and by deception. It is no wonder that John now deals with sin and lies and deception 
because he's dealing with the beginning. John will do this by presenting to us three statements, three statements that we might say. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we still walk in the darkness, we lie and we are not living in the truth. The next statement, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are self-deceived and the truth is not in us. And then verse 10, the third statement, If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. These are various forms of saying, I am fine, but they over there. I am fine, but take a look at them. I may have done something, but I did not sin the way they sinned. Does this sound familiar? The broken fellowship at the beginning was filled with denials and diversions and deflections about sin, and it resulted in strife between husband and wife, between siblings, brother and brother, and between this group and that group. Strife was present, all because of some form of not dealing with one's own sin, being deceived, and then denying, deflecting, or diverting the statement about one's own sin. It was someone else's sin. It was not mine. All of this, John is saying, will destroy fellowship. John's message is about fellowship. Try to remember this at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord God asked the man a number of questions. I'll share with you a couple of them. He asked the man, who told you you were naked? Adam was just like silent. He didn't even answer. Who told you you were naked? Then the Lord God says, Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And what did the man say? He said, You gave, she gave. And then eventually he said, I ate. He said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit, and I ate. Have you eaten of the tree? You gave, she gave. Then the Lord God spoke to the woman. What is this that you have done? Another question. And what does she do? Uh, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Husband and wife, deflection, diversion, denial, they, them, over there, her, him. Genesis 4 The march continues. The beat goes on. Cain killed his brother Abel. The Lord God came to Cain and says, Where is your brother? And uh, Cain pretty much said, How do I know? Am I my brother's keeper? Deflection. Diversion. Sin. Whenever our sin is before us and we are busy denying it, we are embracing deception when we are diverting from the sin that is ours, when we are deflecting matters from our own sin, it always results in strife. Things get broken and fellowship gets broken. John does not allow us to sit comfortably in some armchair of the accusation of others going on and on about their sins. To do so will destroy fellowship. By the way, we still do this. 
we still do this. In this letter here and throughout this letter of 1 John, John will be pointing out how all of this is a fellowship assassin. It is a cancer-causing agent, a carcinogen in the community. It is a congregational carcinogen to deflect about our personal sin. So what is John's bursting forth message about fellowship restored with the Father and with his Son and this fellowship that we are supposed to have? He begins in verse 5. This is the message we have heard and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. John begins where the Lord began. John's message begins with the Lord's first utterance. Let there be light. John begins with the beginning. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. A couple of things about light. We all know this. Light exposes. Light lifts the lid. Light, when you throw back the curtains, the light comes through the room. The light is present and causes the cockroaches to scurry. When in the presence of the light of the Lord, our first instinct is often, as Peter Lightheart phrased it, to reach for the fig leaves because we're exposed. But that's not all that light does. Light also guides. It provides direction. The children of the Lord... There's a distinction between them and the Egyptians. There was light present, according to Exodus 10, in the dwelling of the children, dwellings of the children of the Lord, whereas the Egyptians were sitting in darkness. Did their fireplaces not work? Could they not light a candle? Darkness. But the people of God were in light. Light gives guidance. And then when the Lord delivered his, his people from Egypt, how did he guide them in the wilderness? with a pillar of light, a pillar of fire. This is the way you go. God's light exposes and provides guidance. God's light is supposed to be present in our dwellings and is supposed to mark our paths. And John is saying, if, it, if God's light does not mark your dwellings, fellowship's broken. If it doesn't mark your path, fellowship will be broken. John's message is to have fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus the Messiah. And to live in the full light of God's blazing holiness includes exposure and guidance. However, the pretender continues in his or her sin walking in the darkness, even though they are still making the claim, I'm in fellowship with God. Take a look at verse 6. Here's the first of three statements that John focuses on to say, watch out about broken fellowship. Verse 6. If we say, if we claim we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, it's specific, in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. John's message is God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. These people, what's their message? You know what? I'm in fellowship with God, and I'm still walking in the darkness. Such are deceived. They still defend themselves. Me and my approach, my attitude, my ways, my thinking, my self. They continue to do so 
just as they have done before. Because they are convinced that they are good with the Lord. They're still walking in the darkness, but they say, you know, I have fellowship with the Lord. There's little to no room for growth with them. They have a severe case of arrivalitis. They act and they think as if no one can see their life of darkness. Imagine an Egyptian sitting in his dwelling. It's full of darkness. You know what? I'm good with the one true God. Can't see anything, but I'm good. Your dwelling is marked by darkness. You're lying. So some people think and act as if this is not visible, that this is unknown. Well, likely to others, but not to the Lord. There is no place to hide from the piercing gaze of the judge of the whole earth. But the pretenders will continue to pretend. At the end of verse 6, those who walk in the darkness lie. They are starting to act like the father of lies, who lied from the beginning, according to John 8, 44. He's the father of lies. They don't live in the truth. They don't walk in the truth. Yet, what does John say? We're not supposed to be that way because that will break fellowship. What will keep fellowship? Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. A couple of observations on this, just two. First of all, there's a bit of a surprise here in verse 7. It's a bit of a surprise. You might have thought, I thought, that John would have said that if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we would have fellowship with God. But that's not what John says. John says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, with one another. We have fellowship with the rest of the body of Christ. Instead of blaming others for all of their sins and all of their trespasses, we have been exposed and we walk according to the Lord's guidance and we have fellowship with each other. Take a look at 1 John 2, 9 and 10. Whoever says, the claim continues, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. And it's particularized there, too. It's articulated. There is a, a the, a the there. We're still in the darkness. Continue on, verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and abides, and, and in him there is no cause for scandal. Realize this. We can walk in the darkness by despising one another. We can walk in the darkness by despising one another, by always pointing out their sins, failings, as if they do not have a master before whom they stand or fall. That will rot the congregation. Blaming, deflecting. 1 John 2.10 says, Our sin, your sin, stumbles others. It's a scandal for others. You think it's unknown? No, it's well known. There's a reason why you'll shirk back and hide in the darkness. You don't want to be known. The fool isolates himself, seeking his own desire. To walk in the darkness is to stay in your sin. And it is a removal of fellowship. A division and a separation occurs with the soundtrack of hell's applause. 
So this first statement, the first point I wanted to make about this in verse 7 is that to walk in the light result, shows that we have fellowship with one another. And by the way, if we have fellowship with one another, that man, that woman, that child is walking in the light. There's a second point I'd like you to see in verse 7. The end of verse 7 says, not just that we have fellowship with one another, it says the blood of Jesus, Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'd like to share with you what the Greek tense is. The blood of Jesus, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. It's the first point I want you to see. It's not that there's not sin in the community. It's not that there's not sin in the fellowship. It's that these people live in the light. It's exposed and they're guided by the light. And the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing them from all sin. Sin does happen. The pond is polluted. The dwellings are defiled. But cleansing keeps on happening as well. So what's the first statement that will break and destroy fellowship? to the applause of hell. You know what? I'm in fellowship with God. I can keep walking in the darkness. I can keep despising others. I can keep pointing out all of their sins. And my relationship with God is just fine. What's the second statement? Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We are self-deceived, and the truth is not in us. And by the way, this is more than some claim of sinless perfectionism, which we can talk about that later if you'd like. This claim, we have no sin, is connected to the previous. It's another form of walking in the darkness. Such do not see their sin, they'll deny their sin, and they will dispute with you about their sin if you even bring it up. This is found in various forms of psychological or professional redefinition. Here are some examples. If you really knew me, if you really knew the real me, the deep down inside who I am, and if you knew my goals, my intentions, my purposes, my reasons for doing what I did, or excuse me, doing what I do, saying what I did, writing what I wrote, you'd see that I'm not the sinner that you think I am. We say we have no sin. We've deceived ourselves. This can also include our opinions about one another. My brother or sister in the Lord, for whom Jesus' blood is upon them, I can sit back in my armchair of accusation and say, you know what? I'm good. They are a mess. And I'm happy to tell you about it, too. We do this with various forms of blame shifting. We still do this. Honey, I was hungry. Someone might say, but I, I was lonely. If you only knew what I was going through, I was lonely. Or, here's a big one, I didn't mean it. I wasn't feeling well. Or, It was because of what you did at first. You gave, she gave. Or, I was right. Or, I am right. However, instead of being deceived about our sins, self-deceived, denying it, walking in the light and walking in fellowship with one another, 
means that we, verse 9, look at verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's the focus? Note the wonder of this passage. Our us, our us. We are not called to confess the sins of them. We're not called to confess his sins, her sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're to confess our sins, and you know this. To confess means to say the same thing as. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call my sin, sin, the way God calls my sin, sin. I'm going to stop saying, I did what I did because of what they did. Might as well burn a city down. I did what I did because of that. I get to respond with sin because I believe they sinned, as if the Lord cannot handle your brothers and sisters. By the way, even if we are not faithful, verse 9 says God is faithful. He is faithful and righteous and forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Stop with the idea that, you know, I think God forgave me for one-sixteenth of my sin or that God forgave me for a third of my sin. Confess your sin as sin. Say the same thing about your sin that the Lord says. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You, we, me, us. Here we go. Fellowship is broken when there is this continual walking in the Egyptian darkness. Pretending that our sin does not rot our relationship with God and one another. Fellowship is broken. Nor are we supposed to redefine our sin. We're pretty good at that. Pretending that we are just fine. There's one more statement that John shares. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. This third statement is a bit more granular. It's a bit more particular. The person may say, you know what, sin is out there. I've seen it, but I have not sinned. I have not sinned. I have rightly recognized the sins of others, and I have rightly concluded that I have not contributed to it in this. By the way, what did the man say? Partial truth. The woman you gave, God did give. She gave, she did give him of the fruit. And note the focus. Sometimes this is a particular thing where they're focusing on that which is right. Point of that. But I didn't sin. You gave, she gave, they did, he did, they did. And then what happens? We're calling God a liar and his word is closed. His word is not in us. This happens when we are so busy confessing the sins of others that we neglect and become blind to our own sins. The immoral woman of Proverbs 30, she does her deed. And then what does she do? She sits down to eat. And then she wipes her mouth. And what does she say? I've done no wrong. I'm good. 
You got a problem. I didn't sin. I'm right. Any consideration for the way that your right, rightness was bludgeoned about the place? John does not let us sit comfortably when there's a possibility of de- denying or deflecting from our own sin. That will destroy the fellowship that Christ came to accomplish and to, to preserve. Three statements. Three statements have been made. And the diagnosis which comes from each of these statements goes deeper each time. They become more devilish. The first statement, verse 6. If we say we have no fellowship with him while we still walk in the darkness, we lie and do not... We lie and do not practice... We're liars. The second statement, get ready, it goes deeper and becomes more devilish. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves... We're self-deceived. It's not just that we're liars. You know what? I marble through with this. What ekes out of my pores is the stench of deception. I'm self-deceived. And then third and finally, if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. We start acting like the devil. Did God say? Is God really a truth teller? We make God a liar And his word is not in us. We're going to reject God's word. I don't want to hear that. His word is not in us. So let me conclude. Four statements by way of conclusion today. When I presented to you 1 John, I said to you, this is a letter of pastoral affection dealing with congregational cares and concerns. A letter of pastoral affection dealing with congregational cares and concerns. John is here writing so as to point us to true fellowship with the Father and with his Son. He says, watch out. Look what happened at the beginning. I'm going to write to you about your sin. And then some people, you know what they'll say? You know what, if you really love me, you'd talk to me about my sin. So you go to love them and talk to them about their sin and they go... If you really love me, you wouldn't do this. Okay. These verses, while direct, addressing all of us, are marked by John's affection. Number two, note that there's a whole lot of talking and a whole lot of denial. A whole lot of self-defense. I think there's a black belt in self-defense here. My fellowship with God, but I'm going to keep living the way I've been living. I don't need to change. I have no sin. What do you mean I'm deceived? What do you mean I'm not walking in the truth? When we say on a particular issue, you know what, I was right there. We say we have no sin. You're actually calling God a liar? You really think you're that clean? A whole lot of talking going on and a whole lot of self-defense. We've all been there. We need God's word to address us in this way. I need God's word to address me in this way. Third, each one of these statements is about you. Me. We. If we say, John is not saying, hey, 
you, you, you. He's saying if we say this is a congregational matter, if any one of us says, each one of these statements is about we, not someone else, not others. So let's take a look at this. How quickly will a marriage be busted up if the man or the woman will never say, you know, sweetheart, I, um, I need to own up to my sin. I have contributed to this. I have put another brick in the wall. Our relationship is not where it should be because of me. Brothers and sisters, children, stop saying, but she did or he did. Stop it. The Lord here is saying, what did you do? Start there. Friendships. Why are people all rotted up? I'm just going to hold on to this one. It's tragic. Such things ought not to be named among those who belong to Christ. Stop it. Why do we do this with other congregations? Stop it. Oh, they, they. Stop it. Finally, and with this I conclude, every one of these statements is found in our own day and in our own lives. And if we read or hear these words and we immediately think of other people, then we are guilty. If we're thinking, yeah, I know somebody this applies to. I need to hear this. I haven't heard. Then may God be merciful to us for his holiness is a beauty that rests upon us. And this beauty that rests upon us encourages one another as we learn how to be in fellowship with one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you through Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, and we give you thanks for your clear word to us. And we confess that we often play games with your word. We do not want to receive the thunder of your word. We seek shelter. Forgive us for this and continue to beautify this congregation as we hear and receive and act according to your word. Beautify us for the glory of your name and the honor of Jesus Christ and the edification of one another. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus our Lord and amen.